Welcome to the Key Hire Small Business Podcast, your go-to resource for tackling challenges and empowering small business owners to scale successfully. Our mission is to help unlock your business's full potential. My name's Corey Harlock, and I'll be your host. Uh, we are starting off the season with an amazing guest. Uh, we have Miss Catherine Brown with us today. And uh, Catherine is a professional B2B salesperson. She's been doing that for years. But she also is super focused right now on putting together peer advisory networking groups. She does some sales training. She's here in the Houston area. Uh, so if you're in Houston and you want to kind of jump into a group and learn how to sell or learn how to connect, uh, learn how to network, she can definitely help you with that. She also has one of these, a book, How Good Humans Sell. Full disclosure, have not read the book, but I saw a presentation on the book and uh, it was super awesome. And there's some really good information in there. We are going to continue down the road of the small business owner's mindset and how we can shift that. Today, the topic, and I thought it would be a great start, is what is your selling culture? And are your beliefs getting in the way of growing your business? Are you your own worst enemy? Are you the reason your company's not growing through your sales channels? So without further ado, let's bring Catherine in. Hey, Hi, Corey. Did I get it right? Was that good? That was awesome. And also, I love your new music. I was kind of dancing backstage when I was in the green room. So good job. Good job to Matt. Soft, jazzy stuff we used to have. It just isn't me, you know? This feels like you. I see the guitars behind you. In the, in the oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So uh, we're going to get into how we can connect with you and, and all your good stuff in a bit. But uh, the reason I thought it was really a great idea to have you on was because you do a lot of work, not just how to sell, go out and sell. There are lots of those people out there and you're really good at that. At that. But, you know, in our conversations, we talked a lot around kind of mental hurdles and roadblocks that a lot of owners face. And oftentimes they're kind of in many aspects of their own, their business, they can be their own worst enemy. And, you know, you had some really interesting insight around that. So um, when we talk about, you know, what is your selling culture? Are your beliefs getting in the way? Kind of let us, what do you mean by that? What's, what are we talking about? Sure. Sure. So, to get some definitions out there, Corey, when we're saying there's lots of people out there who teach you the mechanics of selling, we're talking about what you listen for and how you would qualify someone or how you create an effective funnel in your conversations or your email marketing so that you attract people and then get them onto that first call with you. Uh, those are some of the things that the, there's lots of wonderful people out there that we both know who can teach in those things. And, and I have learned a lot about those things over the years as well. What I don't hear people talk to business owners enough about that I want to share today is the role that a person's own beliefs play in the sales culture that you set and the expectations you create of others and what you end up basically creating as a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, 
I'll go on about that a little bit and share in the intro of my book, How Good Humans Sell, I share that I've done a lot of empirical research, I'm actually married to a social scientist. So he made sure that my study was not biased and that I asked questions in a, in a really thoughtful way so that I could get empirical, statistically significant data. And what I set out to test and what I have shown is that even people who identify as full-time professional sellers deep down believe that sales is a dishonorable and kind of embarrassing profession. Is that like the, now, the CC used car salesman kind exactly, of? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I know Corey that we hear that. And so people might think, um, no, not me, but I'm, I'm telling you, there's such a small percent of people. Yes, me. I mean, <laughs> there's such a small percent of people who, really actually deep down believe that sales is really helping someone and that the definition of sales equals helping or equals care or equals genuine sincere offer that you're free to take or not take instead of coercion manipulation pitching overly persuading those fundamental definitions set the groundwork for the kind of sales culture we build, the people we hire, and even what we expect of the people that we hire. So I, I love that. I, I, that resonates with me because I'm, people always say to me, Corey, you must be great at sales. I'm like, I suck because I, I have a hard time getting over that hurdle myself. But when we think of uh, an organization of 20, 30, 50 people, and you have this owner who's oftentimes the best salesperson, and then as they scale, it doesn't make sense for them to be doing sales. So we go out and we bring in a sales manager or a director of sales or a VP of sales, call it whatever you want. Mm -hmm. um, the owner has built the foundation and the culture around selling. Then you bring in a professional, right? And that owner may or may not be a professional salesperson. Right. They bring in someone. More times than not is not, right? Yeah, they're just hustlers, right? They're just entrepreneurs that want to sell their stuff. Mm -hmm. And then they bring in a professional. So, you know, we're talking about that. What is the selling culture and are your beliefs getting in the way? So is that where you often see the conflict is between the way the owner does it? Yes. Then you kind of get a professional sales manager, leader of salespeople in there, and they do it differently. Yes. And it's it's about the individual beliefs of every person on the team. So it starts all the way back to the startup days with how, how that person who is the founder believes about sales, what they believe about sales and the story they make up. So let's say that they have an unwritten rule. They can't tell you where they learned it. They don't know why they learned it, but they believe that you should only have to ask a person twice for a meeting. And that if they don't respond after two times, that therefore means that equals, you know, no response after two times equals not interested. Right. And so then let's say that somehow through referrals, through your strategic partnerships, through your associations, through your resellers, however you're growing your channels, let's say you do get to a point that then you bring someone in to help you, whoever sees it, when they start making recommendations about what to do, that founder is going to be in the way because their own view is in the way because everyone has their own view, right? So they're right. going to, they're going to be in the way and they're going to say, wait, you're not going to tell them to do that. Are you? Because whatever the founder believes is true. And then they go 
seek to confirm it's true, something called confirmation bias, right? We automatically, non-consciously, and automatically, we look to confirm what we think is true. So as, if I believe that after two more, after two times is all I should have to try someone as an example, then if I somehow push myself to a third and they don't, they still don't reply, I'll say, see, I told you. Right. Right. See, I told you. So that human desire to say, see, I told you is very, very, very strong, whatever it's about. It could be about anything. Right. And so it keeps us from being teachable. It keeps us from being open. And the part that I want your owners to hear is not to beat them up about sales is to say, everybody has limiting beliefs right. about what's possible and everyone has limiting beliefs and, and a distorted view of what selling uh, I like this. I wish I'd come up with the phrase myself, but there's a wonderful book out there called selling from the heart, Larry Levine selling from the heart, which is like, what a great, what a great expression, right? To sell from the heart. Like not many people really deeply think that's true. And so because they don't, they put that on other people and we all have to take responsibility for what we believe because it's going to affect the outcomes. Right. Now, is there a correlation? I'm making a leap here. Maybe, maybe you, you've experienced or not, but owners, because they own the company, they're, they are, well, I guess they can come from any angle, but you would think they are more apt to come from the, you need my product because it's the best. It's the right solution, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. They also have that uh, weight of being the owner of the company. Yes. So when they tell new out of college salesperson on their first sales call, sell like this, and they are not the owner of the company. Is 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 that where the disconnect is? Is and I guess is is the que the question I'm trying to ask maybe is based on the levels of engagement in the company, the person's experience selling, uh, where they fit on that organization chart. Should everyone be selling the same? Mm. That's a good question. So when I did set out to do some research for the book, one of the things I was curious about was whether there were generational differences in perspectives about selling. I actually hoped that because Gen Z is younger, I hoped that perhaps that used car stereotype and the things that my generation learned with plays. I mean, I remember being in middle school and we did a short act uh, in drama class. We did a scene from Death of a Salesman. Right. Arthur Miller's death of salesman. So there are these there are these stereotypes that are definitely very true among mid-age people. And I thought, oh, I hope that perhaps some of those impressions haven't seeped their way into a younger generation. That would be interesting to pull, too. And unfortunately, that that wasn't the case. I mean, everybody universally has some some negative perspectives about sales. So that's the that's the most important point I want your owners to hear is that it's really common. And when we talk about setting a culture and what responsibility does the owner founder need to take to set up a, a healthy sales culture it's first of all just having open conversations about these things if you're gonna if you're gonna you know bully people or ring a bell or bullpen or you know kind of try to coach people into their kpis for certain objectives, but you never talk about where their hesitation might lie and you don't listen carefully because you're actually one kind of coach, but not a better kind of coach, right? Like right. A, you're like a yelling athletic coach, but you're not like an executive coach. <laughs> if you do that, then you're going to, you're going to miss the opportunity to, to develop your people 
to, ad to address whatever is overcomable. The thing about beliefs, Corey, that I love so much is that they can change. People can change their mind. They can be persuaded. They can change their view. They just have to be given a roadmap to do it and they have to want to. And right. so all, anything that is a limitation and a challenge when it comes to the human potential part of it, most of it can be addressed if you're truthful about it and you're open about it. Cool. That, that makes a lot of sense. So, you know, we like to talk about mistakes that business owners make when they kind of try to do this. And I, I'm trying to see if there's a difference if a business owner is trying to start a sales team could be hiring their second or third or fourth salesperson mm -hmm. or they're they have a group of people and they understand that they might be misguided or they're not ultimately not seeing the performance or delivery they want right to yes. scale ultimately yes. they want to grow we yes. brought in what we believe are this great team of salespeople. yes and everyone's just no, we're not getting where we want to go. What are so, the reasons? What are the mistakes? What are the, so I, 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 let's, I guess let's talk about, you know, we have a team that's underperforming. Yes. What are the mistakes then? And you've touched on a few of them, but what are sure. the mistakes a business owner can make when we, we believe we have good people? We, we think we have the right people in the right yes. seats. Yes, and we probably sure. think that because we haven't put anything measurable in place to know otherwise. Yes. Um, and, and we don't know what we don't know, right? We've never done this before. We're learning. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, but we just, we, we're, we haven't given them what they need to really hit their stride. So what are the, what are the mistakes, the kind of common mistakes a business owner might make when they're trying to align I guess if we want to get back to beliefs, what, what are those limiting beliefs and, and what are the mistakes they make based on what they know and what they want to see from their team? Maybe that's the right way to approach sure. it. Sure. What if, Corey, what if we take it by stage of business? So let's say startup and then as I scale up. Yeah. So early, what happens is it takes a lot longer than any of us would like to figure out what is the sales message that's actually resonating with someone. And when I say that, I don't mean why is your software technically superior to another person's software? I mean, what are the deeper reasons someone's buying from you? What is the problem it's solving for them? What is the hope it gives them? What is the new path it gives them as a tool? So the first challenge is getting all of that sorted. And I have found in servicing dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of companies over the years who are in these early stages, it always takes longer than you'd like. And the problem is you get a false positive, Corey, because what we all do when we start a business, myself included, is first we sell to people who already know, like, and trust us. So it's smart to start with your inner circle, but the problem is that that isn't really helping you validate what a stranger who has no relationship stakes in this, you know, really thinks of what you're selling. So it takes a while to sell out in those concentric circles, to keep practicing your messaging, to keep practicing your value proposition, to find out what's really resonating. So first it takes longer than you'd like. Second, you still have an advantage because you're the owner. You still have an advantage. And so then you have to begin to document your processes and think about what that buyer's journey is going to look like for someone else to take someone through. So an early mistake, is literally you know forgetting the power that you have as you as the owner founder and the advantage that you have and the second that, is you see and, that one a lot right that, right. that we see that one a lot like just do it like this why this isn't hard right? sure yeah. 
Sure, sure. I um, I was consulting as an example to that point. I was discussed consulting to a technical. Um, it was a an IT services company that I was talking to a few weeks ago, and they are so frustrated because they've had some underperforming salespeople, and they have just pulled in. They've just retracted, and the two principals, you know, have pulled in and said, you know what, we're just we're just going to do it. I mean, they're they're reducing their staff. They let some people go, and they've kind of gone backwards in saying the way we're doing it must it must therefore be the best way because these other people haven't worked out. And there's so many things that an outsider can see looking in and say the measure the the, the message isn't clear the their performance expectations weren't clear their job description wasn't clear i mean i know you help people find the right people so hopefully this is music to your ears right yeah. it's like what when you say that word what does it mean to you even fundamental definitions you know were different so there's lots of places to have those errors and then we can then overreact if we're disappointed instead of learning from those mistakes and you know right. making making those tweaks so the, those early mistakes are understanding that you have a founder advantage understanding it takes longer to put those things in place than we'd like often in terms of messaging, clarity of value proposition, things like that. And then the other thing that I learned early in my career is that if you're talking about end to end from someone initiating or taking the warm lead that comes up and working through a qualification process and negotiating and closing and even asking for a referral, that's that's a lot of stuff that has to be done. And sometimes that job should be split by multiple people. It depends on the company. It depends on 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 the role but again your beliefs about what's required out of one individual come into play there and that's where someone like you or like me or or, or someone who's just not the founder might right. be able to say what are you expecting to be true what are you assuming is true um, that you're believing because perhaps that there should even be multiple roles so what if i'm a business owner and i'm listening to this and i'm thinking man that is like that those are my frustrations. What maybe what are some examples of those those um, the belief system mm. that a, a business owner would have? Because you know, I think you and I both kind of work with business owners when they get to that point where um, in the Greener's model curve, it's called the crisis of management, right? But it's where mm. the business kind of outgrows the skills, ability, capacity of the people in it. Yes. Not even on the people. They're good people doing the best they can, but they've yes. run out of resources, right? Yes, yes. Um, and you have a, an owner now who is frustrated uh, because these sales people aren't doing what they need to do. And our, you know, I can't, uh, we're not growing the way I want, or they're not making enough calls, or, you know, we hear this all the time, or all they do is go around and bring donuts to our existing clients. They're not pounding the phones like I want. What should a what could a business owner look for in themselves that could trigger a conversation with a salesperson? Mm, that's great. Well, the answer, what I thought you were going to ask me, which I'm going to answer, <laughs> is <laughs> if that's okay. What I what I thought you were going to ask me is is a little bit broader. Like, what should they do when they find themselves in that role? And it leads me to the topic. That's a good of, place to start. Yeah. Yeah, a coaching culture. I mean, it's, a, it's a, having a coaching culture. So the first question is, where are you as the owner? Where are you getting input? 
Where are you getting advice? And are you growing? And so sometimes they're frustrated because they thought it'd be a certain way, but we as owners get stuck. I mean, I just engaged with an executive coach. I mean, I'm not an executive coach, so I'm not saying this so people will hire me. Right. I believe there's an entire industry of people that their their sole job is to get at the root of problems through the questions they ask. And it takes training to learn to be good at that because asking powerful questions and listening very, very carefully is something actually that you have to be trained to do. It's not something a person just is born doing well. And so engaging in help with that is one of the first places to start because on top of what we're saying, Corey, not just am I frustrated and feeling stagnant at this moment, but I mean, I just listened to another podcast this morning about the impact of AI on professional services businesses and the dizzying pace of change. And I was thinking, man, I mean, your job as a leader is to spend a fair bit of your time learning because how in the world will you lead people if you are not also on a path of trying to grow? So being open to input, questioning your own views and mindset and beliefs and then and, and constantly learning is also a part of what's required. And I think whenever someone says you should just X, we need to be like having a flashing yellow light that sounds like, is this reflecting a fixed mindset, right? Is this reflecting that they're stuck, even as a leader that they're stuck? Right. Um, to finish the thought on the stages, we talked about some of those challenges at early stages. What I would say that I see later too, is that let's say that you are able to cultivate a high performing culture with a handful of people. And one of the most common things that people do is they're trying to keep their great talent. That person has blown past their quota. They want more responsibility. They might want to be a partner in the firm. They might want equity. There's different things they might want for bringing in so much business to the company. And so one of the things that people will often do is they want to propose they want to promote that high performing individual. They want to put them over people in management. And that's another occasion that also requires testing your assumptions about, about what you believe is true, investing in people and having a growth mindset about what the next iteration of your chapter of your business might need to look like, because there's a lot of research that shows that most of the high performing individuals who move into management without a lot of training for that don't end up being successful because it's not the same skill set. Uh, that's the restaurant server scenario. My previous life was hospitality and it's mm -hmm. when you take your best server and make them a manager, then they quit about two months later because they hate it because they love serving. They don't want to manage people. You know, they, 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 they liked what they did and they're really good at it. And sometimes it's okay just to be there. But I, I, and, and, and again, but going back to beliefs, like I just personally took this assessment the other day. I have a friend that sells a, an assessment that she sells to companies. And so that I would better understand when to refer her, I took the assessment. And some of the things it said about me that as an example, were very interesting. I was a high individual producer in three different corporate roles before I started my first company. And I was not a manager over people before I decided to strike out on my own. And that entrepreneurial independence that was represented in my individual high performing and contribution right. to those corporations, then, you know, 
manifested itself in different in different stages in my life. But I know enough about myself now to know, say that I would have been exactly that wrong kind of person to move into management. In corporate and, structure. In a yeah, corporate. in a corporate structure because, well, I, I even struggle about it as an entrepreneur. Like I still like managing people. <laughs> I think I think that part is difficult. And so have I gotten better at it? Sure, but it's not it's not easy for me. And what this assessment said is it was saying, if you're a manager managing Catherine, she needs a lot of freedom to get things done in the way that she sees she it's not the way that she sees fit it's not that i'm reluctant to be held with a quota or to be held accountable or anything like that that's not true at all it's just that when you know me you know that giving me the principle and then saying go figure it out and make it happen is the way to get it done and not every jot and tittle about telling me the way it has to be done hey it's corey and if you like what you're hearing, give this episode a thumbs up and subscribe or follow to get reminders of new episodes of the Key Hire Small Business Podcast. So I, as you're thinking this, I just keep having the same thought. Like if you're going to build a sales team, there's, I'll give two examples. Obviously, there's a million different ways to do it in the end. You can A, try to find similarly minded people and create a process and manage that process. Or you can create goal, you can hire a bunch of goal oriented people, manage the result and do not manage how they get to the number. Let them like you go do their thing, cat box method, right? As long as they're pooping in the cat box, they're not getting in trouble, right? So they got wide lanes, um, but you're not, and as a business owner, that's that belief system has to be, I trust my business people. And if they hit their numbers, they're doing the right thing. Yes. As long as they're staying within the lines. Yes. One of the things I appreciate, Corey, is that you'll see a lot of executive MBA programs. I've seen the National Business Development Association do this. You're starting to see more and more people offering training on things that they'll call um, programs like leader as coach. Right. Right. or getting the best out of people things right. like that what they're all what they're all leaning toward now which thank god because i think it's just so important for the development of the people in your organization and for them to want to stay I and mean, if you're a great seller you can sell for anybody you don't need to stay so right. to keep and attract and keep those people is about being able to make great money it's also about being able to operate the way that you that that you like and so what's interesting is to build on your example if you have let, let's just use two different titles. Let's say you're less experienced salespeople, you call BDRs or SDRs. Okay, sales development reps, business development reps. They're gonna be less experienced. They're gonna be literally younger. Yeah. And I think you you wanna be tighter on them because they don't even know themselves yet, <laughs> right? They're not 50 telling you, here's what motivates me, right? They're 25 and they're learning the job. That's perfectly developmentally appropriate because they're learning and they're literally learning. Here's who I am, here's what I like, Here's what works for me. They're growing up. They're growing up inside your company. When you're talking about the major account managers, or if you're a smaller business and you only have a handful of people who have to wear all the hats, then you're going to direct by principle. And you're going to say, this is what needs to get done. And this is what each of us have to get done. And a leader as coach model takes the time to understand each person and understand how are they going to get there. And I do believe you can be looser on how many dials a day looks and what the records in the CRM look like. 
Should they have to do some of that? Sure, because you need to know what's happening. But you don't you don't have to rule with an iron fist if that person has self-determination, they're motivated and they're they're self-aware or wanting to be more self-aware of what it's going to take for them to get there. They want to do their calls in the morning, let them. They want to do their calls in the afternoon, let them. Exactly what I was going to say. Like we all we're all going to make our calls in the morning. It's I I just do them better in the afternoon, right? So I'll do mine in the afternoon. And and I have to do whatever requires the most bravery and the most mental stuff for me. I have to do it before lunch. Eat the frog. I do, I do, and I get energy from interactions like this later, so I can do these things later in the day. But I wouldn't write my brand new invention proposal at four in the afternoon. That's not good for me. But the reason I know that is because of years of practicing and coaching and all the things I've gotten. So I have found, and this comes kind of back full circle, Corey, to this idea of like where you learn sales training and what we mean by sales training. When you're talking about the mechanics of selling, there are so many good schools of thought out there. There's so many major brands, small brands, great consultants. If you or have a specialty industry and you're wondering if there is a sales consultant that just knows your industry, contact me and I'll probably be able to introduce you. I mean, I just know so many sales and marketing consultants from doing this for decades now, and there are all kinds of specialties. One of the things I've learned about myself and what you're hearing come through in this and what I want your owners to hear is that there's an entire way to lead that is principles driven and that is not uber, uber, uber specific directive. And there's a whole body of salespeople that would like to be led that way and like to have that freedom. And for those people, that's the kind of culture they're going to stay in. If you tell me every single thing about how I have to do my job and I keep performing, but you keep telling me that the way I'm doing the job needs to look just like you, I'm not going to stay. I'm going to be frustrated. And there's lots of people that operate like that. And so in the realm of sales training, one of the things I've realized about myself is that I really like teaching the principles. And then I model an example of what it could look like. And then I say, try it and then make it your own. And I, I really mean that because if you don't love the script you put together, if you don't love the template you put together, if you don't feel great about the brand message that you're saying, you're not going to do it. Agreed. Yeah. Okay, so this this is cool, and uh, you know the difference between kind of managing by principle versus managing by process. And um, I, I'm a big fan of the end result management. Don't manage the process, manage the end result. People people get you the result you want. The example I always use, you know, if you have a warehouse and you say to someone, "I need you to sweep the warehouse. You have an hour." And you come back in 30 minutes and they're 75% done and it meets the standard. You take the broom out of their hand and say, no, you're doing it wrong. This is how you should do it. And you think, well, hold on. They were going to have it done way ahead of time and it met your standard. They weren't doing it wrong. They just weren't doing it the way you do it. That's right. And and this is, this is a big thing. I think a lot of business owners... Because, I mean, they've been driving the boat for a long time and, and they've gotten to the level of success they have because they did it the way they did. 
Well, I'll give you another example, Corey. For years, for over 15 years, I had a cold calling company. And so, I mean, I started this in 2002. And so this is when you could do emails, you could mail postcards, or you could call people on their landline and you would leave voicemails. And so those were the three ways you would do outreach. And so people would pay me to staff contract sellers at other companies. And those people would be trained to sound like and be contractors to those clients and help get meetings for them. It was a very common practice that we would stack the team with these are well-known professional cold callers who worked through me and we would purposely stack the team because there was so much to learn about the messaging the market reception to this person's message these were often fairly early stage companies where we're still figuring out simultaneous with setting the meetings we're figuring out what's the value proposition <laughs> like what are people really responding to here yeah. so we would stack the team we would say here's the goal we want to book as many qualified meetings as we can. This is your financial incentive to do that team. And here's some resources we're giving you in terms of scripts and FAQs and things like that. And then we would put people on it that were proven resources where some like to work a list faster and do fast passes and they're looking for low hanging fruit. And they literally wanted a longer list of target accounts to pursue. And some worked slower and they were more deliberate and they only wanted they literally only wanted to be assigned 30 companies at a time and they would work that 30 companies until they got a yes or no from every single person and you know over the years both both of those types of callers were enormously successful That's but we didn't we did not allow our client to tell us which person got staffed we said it's our just it's our right. job to get the meetings booked and we would we would have to figure out on the backside what combination dialing up this person's hours dialing down this person's hours with these different work styles what's it going to take to make this client you know wildly happy and i that was an early time in my entrepreneurial journey and my sales development journey where i realized there's not just a way and that people can be taught the big picture objectives of what we're going for given some tools to do it and then go make it happen. And they did. It's It's, it's interesting. I, I love, I love stuff like that because it's both the right. If you're doing both, there's no wrong way. If you're both putting the and. right. Person. Yeah, both. And exactly, exactly. So okay. I think what I want your owners to, to look at is I want them to just examine their own assumptions. What do I, what do I yeah. think just has to be this way? Wherever we use the word just, just has to you're, be this way. What 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 is leading, that? You're leading me into my final question. So I'm a business owner. I'm watching this. I'm thinking, man, that's me. I'm I'm getting in my own way. I'm getting in the way of my people uh, performing the way I want. You know, if I got a little dust floating around here. If I uh, if 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 I could uh, limit my beliefs and kind of just manage by principle, I think I could get more out of my people. So other than calling you and reading your book, what is a, an initial first or second step a business owner could take to start moving in that direction? Oh, that's a great question. Well, one of the things that's happened to me professionally over the last few years, Corey, is that I think there is more and more intersection between personal development and sales training. And if you look at who the trainers are, you look at who the celebrity trainers are and the biggest brands, they're people that 
also share this view because personal development is professional development. I mean, if you're working on you as a person, it's going to spill into everything. And so the realm of what do you believe is true? How do you reframe unhelpful thoughts, unhelpful beliefs? How do you um, change your mindset? How do you reframe things that those are personal development traits that can be brought into the sales world? So a few things you could do are you can talk to a coach. As a as a as a principal, I would talk to someone that is literally their title is literally executive coach, or they might have been gone through some kind of a certification from someone like the Coaching Institute or the International Coaching Federation. These are professionally trained coaches who can ask good questions. So I would do a discovery call with one of them. Another thing you could do is there's some great assessments. I'm married to a social scientist. I have opinions about assessments. That's for a whole nother time. But I think one of the most helpful things a person can do is to take an emotional intelligence assessment. My favorite is the EQI, the EQI 2.0. It's offered, it was created at Yale and it measures 15 subscales about you. Getting someone to interpret to you, hey, this is how you're coming across and this is what you need to know about yourself is a great starting point to look at your pros and cons about how you manage people. And the debrief call, Corey, is where you realize, I've never had anyone tell me something like that about myself before. It's so helpful. It's kind of painful too, <laughs> but it's it's so helpful if your heart and your intention is really to grow. Right. I think just to back that up. So, you know, business owner might be listening. I don't want to take one of those assist uh, assessments and they're going to tell me how I have to change. And that's not it. Understanding how you operate allows you to better communicate that to people and read the room a little bit. No one's going to say, look at you have to be a whole different person because that's that's impossible. We are who we are. That's right. Those assessments and understand, oh, this is how I come across. So now you might just be able to preface and say, look, I'm not I'm not trying to critique or, or be, I'm just a direct. I always have to tell people that I'm just a direct communicator. So yeah. that's how I'm going to commit. Because if I try to yeah. be all fluffy, I just somehow end up insulting everyone in the room. So I just got to be <laughs> who I am. And I'm just going to be direct. And I just need you to know that right now. Like, it's just how I'm I agree with almost everything you said. I want to I want to bring up the point that I would argue that part of why you want to consider assessments and things like that is because actually in the pace of modern business and culture, I actually think we do all have to change. Now, I don't mean that you can fundamentally change who you are in your God-given personality. I don't mean that. I do mean that there could be significant blind spots that your whole yep. team knows about you that you are literally unaware of. Right. And if you don't engage in some kind of coaching, get some kind of feedback. I mean, we've all had bosses like that. Like yeah. people talk about them when they walk away and whisper about them and laugh about them. And none of us want to be the person that that's happening to. Well, the only way I know to, to remedy that is to be open to change and to seek that outside input. Cool. I agree with that too. Yeah. And I, when I'm saying that you, you, they don't want you to fundamentally change who you are and have to be someone else, but we, we always do want to 
improve upon our weaknesses. So you need to be a better you. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody wants you to be a better you. Who right. doesn't want that? Doesn't your spouse want that? Don't your friends want that? Don't your kids want that? I mean, right. everybody loves that. Right. But, yeah. but to start that journey, you have to admit you're doing something wrong. And, and then you need to grow. Yes. Exactly. And that you need to grow. I'm constantly connecting people with things I read or listen to because I feel like that's one of the easiest ways I can add value in someone else's life. But it's also because I'm grabbing onto things. I'm thinking, well, I don't want to reinvent the wheel. If this person's figured this thing out, I want to copy them. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm a curator of information and then pass that on. Even in my sales training, it's not uncommon for me to quote another book or have everyone, you know, have homework of listening to this podcast and say, if you really like this lesson, if it resonated with you, go listen to this. And sometimes it's mine. And a lot of times it's someone else's because there's just so many wonderful ideas out there. And I want to be around people that are wanting to get that kind of input so that they can turn around and take better care of the people in their companies. Very cool. I think that's a great note to end on. So Miss Brown, uh, if people are out there listening and thinking, man, I want to learn more about this. I need to get in touch. I want to understand how to manage with through principle. Uh, I want to uh, give my sales team the greatest probability at being successful. How can we reach you? That's great. Thank you. The thing to do would be to go on Amazon and get a copy of How Good Humans Sell. This so is right. Thank you so much. See yeah. how cute Matt is with his little flashcards. Thanks, here. Matt. <laughs> yeah, it's on Amazon. It's done real. I self-published. It's done really well. It's been a great marketing tool for me. It's literally awesome. a great read too. I mean, people say they'll write to me and say, "Here's a here's a piece that helped me." The reason you'd want to start with that and then contact me is because there's all different elements of the mechanics of selling. The beliefs about selling is it about directing people you know what is it about and then and then if i'm not the right person to help you i will refer you to that right next coach or that right next consultant because depending on your role and the size of your company your needs are going to be different the last right. thing i'll say to corey is you know i'm very active on linkedin i outsource a lot of other things in my life but i do my own post every day monday through friday it's about what i'm learning what i'm reading and it's a great place to connect because I give free training in my posts. And so find me, um, Catherine Brown with Extra Bold Sales, find me on LinkedIn. And that's another good way to learn. Hold on, Matt. Matt. LinkedIn. Ah, there it is. All right. Thank you. Very thank cool. You. Hey, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate the conversation. So much good information. I, I appreciate your the energy you bring and the information you bring. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Corey. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. We appreciate your support. If you enjoyed the show, we would love it if you could take a moment to leave us a review. And don't forget to subscribe or follow to stay up to date with all the latest episodes as they're released. Discover how Key Hire supports small business owners with talent planning and acquisition by exploring our YouTube channel or LinkedIn page. For comprehensive information, visit our website at www.keyhire.solutions, where you can also sign up for a complimentary consultation to discuss any talent, experience, or capacity problems that keep you awake at night. Until next time, stop grinding and start growing.